This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 37. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello, hello, and welcome. Today, we're going to talk about constructive journalism. And I encountered constructive journalism through the work of Catherine Gildenstead, who's a journalist who became a little bit disillusioned with what journalism was actually accomplishing in the world. So when she was wondering what to do about it, how to move it forward, how to change journalism in a way that could match more closely what she and also lots of other journalists actually thought that journalism should achieve, she decided to do a master's in positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And I encountered her work through a newspaper called Positive News. If you are in the UK or or online, check it out online on positivenews.co.uk. That's where I found her work. And I was really quite blown away by it. And it's a very simple concept. But still, I thought this is great. This is precisely what newspapers should be doing. So I contacted her and asked her, you know, is it okay if I translate some of your work into German? Because I really feel that, you know, in Switzerland and Germany and everywhere, we should also learn about these concepts. And she said, yeah, she was very, very graceful. She said, sure, of course, please do that. So I I wanted to translate her work. So what I did was I contacted a couple of newspapers and then two chief editors um, replied to me. And But they said, you know, you can't write, you can't just translate her work. You have to write the article yourself. So before I knew what was happening, I basically was in the middle of this whole constructive journalism thing, trying to explain what it is. And I'm passionate about constructive journalism because media has such a huge influence on the public debate and... If people don't have first-hand knowledge about anything, basically, the knowledge they have often comes from the media. And that's, it really, it plays a huge role in how people think of the world and also of themselves. And if you think about it, first, it's definitely our parents who probably shape the most of who we are, our parents, our family. Then it's school. Um, Then it's work. But outside of work, what really shapes what you believe and think about the world? And, you know, media and entertainment, all of that is huge. So I hope that if people come to see information the same way they see food, which is basically now everybody knows if you keep eating junk food all your life, you're going to get really sick. And the same is true with information as well. If you consume junk information all the time, your mind is going to be sick at some point. So that's what happens if mostly, not, I'm not saying everything, and of course there are specialist magazines and everything which are really 
great, you know, and they don't need any advice about constructive journalism. But if you know, look at the traditional news media, then I would argue that most of it is quite negative, aside from maybe sports and maybe, you know, some celebrity gossip when somebody has, a, you know, like now a young new princess or something. But aside of that, from that, lots of it is actually quite negative. And taking that kind of negativity in on a constant basis is really not that good for us. Now, what is constructive journalism about? Well, basically, if you actually have such an old school thing as a newspaper lying around, go pick it up. If you don't have any physical newspapers, just log on to your favorite news website. And chances are that the majority of the stories that you see are negative and they're often written in order to shock us, to infuriate or to sadden us. And when people confront journalists about this, they usually claim that, you know what, we're just talking about reality, you know. But if you think about it, the thing about reality, and we know this from attention research, from, you know, mainstream psychology has done interesting experiments. So I don't know if you, for example, if you go out now and tomorrow you'll pay attention to everything that is salmon colored, suddenly the world is full of salmon colored stuff. And that's not because the world changed, it's because your perception of the world changes. So it's kind of similar with what's happening in the media. If you think about it, what do you know about this entire continent of Africa that has nothing to do with terror, hunger, or any deadly diseases, or maniac rulers? Seriously, what do you know aside from it? Maybe you know that, you know, there's some parts in Africa where they have really cute animals and, um, yeah, the World Cup was there once and I hear South Africa is a beautiful place to go. But aside from that, what do you actually know about Africa? Unless you have some specialist knowledge, um, either you maybe have some kind of special university degree or you travel a lot, chances are you don't know that much about Africa. And the reason is the media. The way that things are reported are seriously, seriously biased. And whatever news stories you come across, it really depends on the questions that the journalists and also the readers are willing to ask and the priorities that we give to things. Now, if we as readers are happy to have like the most horrific shocking thing on page one all day long, then that's what reporters will give us. However, interestingly enough, in the UK, for example, people have actually stopped reading newspapers all that much. And the UK had a huge newspaper culture. And it's not just because of digitalization and the internet and Facebook and all of that taken away the news media's share of attention. It's really, they actually found that people were really turned off by all the negativity that was happening. And I don't remember which newspaper it was, but one of them actually kind of printed a, we're sorry for being so negative, we try to get better. But it seems that it was a little bit too little too late. Now, if you think about this idea that I just said, that 
depending on the questions you ask and the priorities you give, um, you can actually look at the same topic. All right. So this is important. This is not a plea to just talk about more cats and, you know, water skiing squirrels or anything like that. The point is that you can cover virtually any topic with a, from a more constructive perspective. And Guildenstead actually made this really good example. She said, well, if you think about a homeless person, what usually happens in the newspaper is that people, the reporters, ask questions designed to either you know, infuriate or sadden or victimize that person. So they would ask things like, all right, so what's the most horrible thing about living in the streets? And what's the worst thing a bypasser has said to you? And if you ask these kind of questions, of course, you will get really sad answers, you know. And But if you ask the very same person, the very same homeless person, something different, your answers are going to be different. So what would happen if journalists would actually acknowledge that no person is a victim alone, but actually every person has resources and strengths and good things happen to them as well? In that case, they would ask questions very differently. They would ask stuff like, well, what helps you survive? How do you help each other out on the streets? And what's the best thing that a passerby can do for you or has done for you in the past? It's the same topic. The topic is homelessness, but it's covered from a very different angle. And if you see people only as victims, you deny them the dignity of being portrayed as a human. And that's what news media is very often doing to people. And it's it's tricky because it seems like well you don't want to portray you know homelessness as something that's harmless and of course you don't want to do that of course it's important for us to also understand some of those realities however there are costs associated with never mentioning anything that works well or that w went good you know like think about politicians like when's the last time a politician has done Something good, apart from maybe winning an election you were hoping for. You know, like seriously, when did politicians get together and actually solve a problem in a really good way? I assume they do that every once in a while because otherwise no decisions could be reached anywhere. However, that's not how things are portrayed. Even if 99 out of 100 politicians work together very well, the one politician who is somehow opposed to everybody collaborating with each other will get all the news attention. And it's really important. It's really important for us as consumers of media, but also for the journalists who produce this kind of media. Maybe you are a journalist. To kind of acknowledge that if we deny to look at how people are resilient, how they rise above their challenges, how they use their strengths and come together as a community, we basically treat them like they are the condition that they have or the disease that they have instead of being a human with that disease or with that condition. And that's a way of actually putting them down. And that's something that the news media 
does quite regularly. Another aspect about traditional media is that it often gets people fired up about the different arguments. So if you would, you know, do a little survey on the street on any given topic, if people know about the topic, chances are they know what the arguments are. But how often does the media really talk about solutions? They are hardly ever mentioned. So in constructive journalism, solutions are an integral part of the story. And if there are no solutions, we have to at least talk about the efforts that are being made. So why is constructive journalism important? Well, number one, traditional media paints a misleading picture of reality. There's a famous example that actually Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post made. And she talked about how in the 90s, news stories increased 500%. So these are news stories about murders, all right? News stories increased 500% within that decade. But in the same decade, the actual murder rate dropped 40%. Now percentages are not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. So let's break that down. Let's break those numbers down. To picture what's happening, let's say that we start with 100 reported murders. All right. Within a decade, instead of 100 murders, the newspapers are suddenly covering 500 murders. However, in the same time, the actual number of murders dropped to 60. Sounds weird, but that's basically what's happening. So the amount of murders that happened was almost half. But somehow the media talked five times more about murder than before. So that's the point. Traditional media does lead make you know really mislead us in terms of we get really some quite strange ideas about reality and what it's like to you know be a human in certain parts of the world if we rely on news media alone then constructive journalism is also important because there's a negative impact on the readers people lose hope they become helpless they feel stress and they disengage from news and actually, a brand new p study just came out in the last couple of days where they could actually show that there's such a thing as vicarious traumatization, which means that maybe you know what vicarious travel is. It's basically an armchair traveler is a vicarious traveler. So if you are vicariously traumatized, that means that from looking at the pictures that are shared through media and social media and nowadays these are much more brutal in the past newspapers used to filter out the most horrible images and a lot of them still do although not all of them do nowadays on social media all the horrible atrocities that are done by for example ISIS beheading people you it's actually possible for people to see these very images and even videos of these things happening and they could actually show this team could show that people get traumatized as if they had actually been there and lived it except they didn't and they could clearly show that the people who who 
watch this kind of videos, who kind of pay attention to all this coverage, the more you pay attention to this, the more likely it is that you will be traumatized. Now, some people would say like, well, you have to report what's happening. And that is true to a certain extent. However, if you are traumatized afterwards, how likely are you to actually find a solution? Not very likely. Because if you're traumatized, you basically need mental help. Mental health. You are ha have a problem, sorry. You have a problem with your mental health, so you need help. And when you need help, you are unable to help others. So this idea that we have to look at, you know, all of this horrible stuff in the entire world so that we can help, it's actually quite backwards because if we are traumatized, we can't help anyone. We can barely help ourselves. So that's another reason why constructive journalism is really important. And another reason is that we're actually delaying solutions by not talking about them, by not spreading them. If solutions exist, but we don't know about them, we can't use them. And if the debate is always about arguing all day long, we can't actually devote ourselves to solving problems. So traditional journalism is really maybe less about arguing, but more about solutions. And that doesn't mean we don't know the different sides of the arguments. There's nothing wrong with actually writing, well, this guy thinks this and this guy thinks that. But in a constructive journalism piece, we would not then kind of celebrate the fact that they are conflicting, but we would kind of try to find common ground and try to see what's happening in terms of solutions. And if you think about it, the people who actually come together to overcome challenges and to create great new things, they deserve the limelight and the fame just so much more because they can be an inspiration to all of us than all of these, you know, I don't know, sorry for being politically incorrect, like these dumbass politicians who are just yelling at each other for no good reason and not solving anything. You know, that's not, I don't think they really deserve the limelight the same way that people who actually bring humanity forward do. So in the next part, I would like to talk about some questions and answers. And this is basically because when people hear about constructive journalism, they have a couple of ideas of what it is, what it isn't. And I'd like to kind of address the three questions that are asked the most so basically the first is well should we talk about heroic firemen rescuing puppies all day and number one uh yeah <laughs> why not because it's not it's not less relevant to your life than some other stuff that's written in the newspaper to be honest but Constructive journalism is really not about puppies and firemen and all of these other things. Constructive journalism is really about covering reality in its breadth, not just the dark side of everything and the horrible side of everything. We want to talk about the same topics that traditional journalists, traditional news journalists talk about, but just use different angles, different questions, and we refuse to basically treat everybody as a victim. But we also want to see what they do, the strength they bring to things, the humanity they bring to things. So another question is, are we doing justice to reality if we report only about good things that are happening? As I've said many times before, it's not just about the good things that are happening. 
But even if we report more good things, good stuff is happening in the world as well. And that's part of reality. And it's not less real. So if we want to cover reality in any way that is not as skewed as the example that I talked about with the murder trials, where people just talk about murder all day long, although it's been halved, the, the, the murder rate, then we absolutely have to start talking about the good things that are happening as well. And another important question is, well, is objective reporting, is critical reporting not desired? Well, of course, of course it is. Sometimes the bad stuff has to come to light. The question is, how do we do this? And here, there is some interesting research. And if you're interested in this, just check out the episode on terrorism and transformative action. That was episode number 20. And there I talked about the research of change and how actual change happens on a big scale, not on an individual scale, but on a societal scale. And transparency, that that act of bringing stuff that has been left in the dark to the light is absolutely necessary. However, often people think that's all we need to change. All we need is for everybody to know what's going on, for people to have like a public outcry, and then everything will be okay. And that's simply not true. The research shows clearly that we need to bring some things to light. We definitely need the transparency in the beginning. And that's where journalists can really be helpful. And especially critical journalists who question that everything works exactly the way that we are told. That's absolutely necessary. However, what's not necessary is to keep beating people up, to try to humiliate people into doing stuff. Because whenever incredible feats of change, of societal change were accomplished, what happened was that at first the people who were actually at odds with each other, they kind of found ways to work together, to generate solutions together. And if you think about it, well, one example is what happened in South Africa. Now, I'm aware of the fact that now in present day South Africa, not everything is, you know, peaches and rainbows and unicorns and whatever. However, it is actually quite amazing if you think about the fact that they got out of apartheid, out of a system where where one big large group of society was systematically oppressed by another one and that they got out of that without actually going to war with each other, without starting a civil war. And that was only possible because of these things known as truth and reconciliation. Um, pro they have a truth and reconciliation process, basically. And that inherent in that was the fact that people had to tell the truth. The truth had to be acknowledged and discussed. And people had to basically be ready to forgive each other and then to work together for a better future. And that's basically what needs to happen in terms of news media as well. Now, what can you do 
as a media consumer. Now I've been talking about journalists and I've been maybe, you know, banging on about traditional journalism and the stuff I'm not happy about. But what can you do as a media consumer? Well, understand that every news story and every YouTube video you click on is a demand to supply more of that kind of information. And I don't want to make you feel guilty. You know, I mean, we all love our, you know, our share of cute animals doing weird things and, and, you know, funny pop songs or whatever it is. And I don't want to make you feel bad about that kind of stuff. It's just important that you understand that whenever you click on something, you create more demand for that. And everything you watch, listen and read has also an immediate impact on your well-being. And if you keep that in mind, that's already quite a lot. And if you struggle with negative thoughts, chances are that media and entertainment is making it harder for you to get to a more positive place. And that doesn't mean that everything is bad. It just means that the same way that someone who is lactose intolerant, for example, they need to keep an eye on their dairy. And if you struggle with, you know, having a lot of negative thoughts and stuff, you might also need to pay special attention to the emotional quality that the messages that you consume actually have on you. So spend more time listening, reading and watching the stuff that makes you feel good, both in the short term and the long term. That's what you can do as a media consumer without too much hassle. Now, I hope you have a clear understanding of what constructive journalism is. I hope you see why it's important to think about the stuff that you not just eat, but read and listen to and watch. And I hope you found some value in this. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.